ladies, stop putting up with your man not doing the maintenance down there. He deserves to do all the work that that we do. That you're yeah, right? Laser, I, I don't want to say it. Wax. Yeah. It's not great. And it's so easy for the men because Manscaped has been there by their side. They give them the tools that they need to make their tool look even bigger. I mean, honestly, trees look taller when the grass is shorter. Manscaped's got you covered. So get 20% off free shipping with code VIAL at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code VIAL. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. I'm telling you, ladies, it's amazing. I love my Manscaped. Your guy will too. going on everybody welcome back to another exciting and new episode of the vile files what are we calling it? going deeper or something like that we call this going deeper right and they didn't i don't know people wanted to call it doesn't matter uh going deeper sure it's a I it's like our wednesday it. show yeah we have a fan, fantastic episode uh, back with our, our mediation call our guest is alexandra hunt if you don't know her she is a woman running for congress now, we don't talk about politics on the show, but uh, Alexandra's story is, uh, I think, fascinating and informative. She is someone who is a former stripper. She is using that as part of her platform. She is running her campaign, acknowledging that she used to be a stripper. And so we have a conversation about that. One, like her choices in doing so, why she decided to do that. And then we get into a very uh, thoughtful discussion about sex workers, the ignorance around that topic, the hypocrisy around that topic. Um, and I thought it was a really interesting discussion. Certainly, we understand that there's a lot of uh, opinions, I, I suppose, on this topic on both sides of the aisle. But on this show, we we like to value uh, people's uh, rights and dignity and safety for whatever they choose to decide to be in. And if you're going to be a consumer of something, you should be, I don't know, understanding of the people who are giving you said content. Absolutely. Um, Either way, I think it's a fantastic uh, conversation that I had with Alexandra. We really appreciate her taking the time flying out here and sharing her story with us and having a conversation. Uh, I learned a lot. Hopefully, you guys did too. And uh, if you've ever wondered uh, about that world, uh, hopefully, you will be more informed. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to send in your questions at asknickacastme.com, cast with a K for Ask Nick episodes or mediation. I want to thank... You know, a, we want to thank the women who are getting their uh, male partners. So far, we've only had heterosexual uh, uh, callers. Certainly, op- would love some diversity in, in that arena. Or even friends, friends, coworkers, coworkers siblings. Uh, but for the heterosexual relationships, thank you, ladies, for getting your guys to call in. The guys always think they're going to get crucified. Has yet to happen. In fact, sometimes it's almost like it seems like we're going team. Uh, male counterpart. It, again, it's mediation. We're just trying to we're just trying to get these people on the same page. It's and that's why we we didn't want to name it any type of like court or judge this because we're not trying to render a verdict. We're not picking and, a assign blame. We are yeah, just trying helping to enhance each other empathy. On the ass Nick, we'll tell you if you're dating a piece of shit <laughs> and to break up with them. But that's a different episode. That's a different show. <laughs> Um, anyway, sending your questions. Uh, we appreciate all the people who uh, do that. Don't forget to subscribe, review us on, if you're listening to us on Spotify, just go in right now. Give us five stars without even thinking. Don't think, should I give him four? Does he really earn? Just give me five stars. Give Please. us five stars. <laughs> Please. All right. Uh, next week, Rachel Lindsay is with us. Hopefully, if she confirms, uh, you won't want to miss that. If you thought she spilled the tea in her book, just you wait. Next week. <laughs> there you go. Nice plug. <laughs> Alexandra, thank you so much for coming. Thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to have you. For the people who who don't uh, know of you, uh, as I mentioned uh, in preview in episodes leading up to this, I, I think I discovered you on TikTok. Uh, you are currently running for office mm-hmm. in Congress. Yes. And and your part of your platform is talking about you used to be a stripper. Yes. 
And I was like, what a fascinating story. We talk a lot about dating and relationships on this podcast. Uh, we have people from all walks of life come on here. We're a, a sex positive show that doesn't like, uh, we, we kind of like people from all different backgrounds. I think there's a lot of uh, stigmas and assumptions uh, about people who have stripped or who strip and, and who, who would be no better to talk to than someone who's been in it and what an interesting story i think it's fascinating that you are running on the fact that you used to be a stripper and i'm curious about that message and i think it's well fascinating certainly and uh, a lot to learn so thank you for coming yep thanks for having me i would assume like back in the day if you're running for, i know very little about politics mm -hmm. and i my assumption is well if you're going to run for office you know, you do the background checks and you look for the, the good and the bad or whatever people perceive that to be. It's called opposition research. Okay, opposition research. And there clearly was a decision on the part of you or your team to say, well, I've done this and I think this is a good thing and I want to speak to it. And what was that dialogue like? And I'd love to hear like kind of that, that thought process. The decision to be upfront about my past working history was twofold. And it was one that I was nervous that somebody could could see my name or, or hear that I was running for office and just come out of the woodwork and be like, oh, I that actually looks like a stripper I used to know. And then all of a sudden just have it come in from the left field and, and have it pull apart our campaign. The other part of that decision was that I was in community with different sex workers. And I was discussing planning on, on running for office and planning to launch. And they said to me, you know, don't, don't leave us behind if you're going to do this. And so I think that to fall silent on a community that is so marginalized is harmful. Mm -hmm. And so I chose to, to kind of, I, I'll fight back against the stigma and the shame um, that is associated with this part of my past and I'll lead with it so that I can advocate for a community that I'm a part of. Well, that's great. And how has the initial response been? I mean, what was that like when you're like, hey, by the way, I used to be a stripper? I was terrified. Yeah. I, I was so scared. Um, I was scared that I was going to lose my job. I was scared that I was going to lose friends and family. Um, and I just didn't know what... I, I was scared that I was going to like push my campaign totally off, off course. And I, I was pushed out of a job. I was coaching soccer at the time. I had two jobs. I was coaching soccer and I was working uh, in cancer research. And the uh, parents were concerned about the influence that I would have over their daughters. And so I got pushed out of that job by the club. And that was really hurtful because I am very devoted to my teams and I love coaching soccer. Uh, I did have friends um, who could no longer look me in the eye and did not support that part of my past. Um, there is stigma. I, you know, we get ugly comments all the time. Um, but then there's also a growing movement of people who are like, that's actually part of my past too. And I've been scared to admit it because I've been scared of the consequences. But the fact that you're leading with it, you're, you're, you know, blazing a trail and, and I'm, prepared to support you so that when I want to be vocal about my past, I'll, I'll have the support there. So it's, it's been a mixed review. Yeah. Well, I'm sorry you've gone through any of the, the negative stuff, but I, I imagine that the, the support must feel really empowering. And did, did you feel a sense of relief when it came out? And then to have people come forward and share their stories, uh, you must have made, feel, made a lot of women feel little safer maybe, or, or like at least not alone. That That's the feedback that I've gotten is that um, I've, I've been given a lot of trust for, for people to share their personal stories um, that they try to hide from corporate America because they're afraid of being pushed out of their job. That's, that's pretty much the biggest fear. Um, relief, I, I don't know. It feels like a lot of responsibility. And to, to make sure that I'm not glorifying sex work as because people love to talk about sex. Mm. Um, it's in our nature, but at the same time, there there's complications to having that job and there's dangers to having that job. 
And so I want to try to keep the truth there while also um, standing strong and, and just saying this is part of my past and this is part of who I am and that's it. Yeah. I can assume what some of those dangers might be, but could you share with us kind of like a little bit more insight into sex workers and what they have to deal with, things that are maybe overlooked or taken for granted in terms of um, the experience that uh, people in your shoes have to go through? It's different for full service sex workers versus dancers or strippers or people in the porn industry. It's different for each uh, area. Um, for full service sex workers, there's, I mean, they're, they're disappearing. They're being killed. It, it, the, the danger's very real and they're treated subhuman. There, there's been some measures taken that have pushed full service sex workers further into the street, which is more dangerous rather than online platforms that they can use to kind of vet who they want to meet up with. For strippers in clubs, uh, you, you're more likely to be dealing with someone who might stalk you um, and management who doesn't step in and protect you from aggressive clients. And the same thing for the porn industry. Hmm. I am sure there are many things you'd rather be doing than shopping for insurance. Well, I mean, obviously, who wouldn't think that? Everyone listening to this podcast is nodding their head. But car and home insurance prices are going up in 2022. And uh, you also don't want to be paying more than you need to. But you also need car and home insurance. Very important things to have. Well, the Zebra compares car and home quotes from every major insurance company side by side, giving you all the facts you need to make the right decisions. It's the fastest way to find the right coverage at the right price from a provider that you can trust. In fact, the, the Zebra saves people an average of $922 a year on car and home insurance combined. Plus, they do it all in just five minutes. So you don't have to waste time and you save money. What a win. The Zebra saves time and money in minutes. And show your support for the show by going to our special URL. That's thezebra.com slash V-I-A-L-L and get your free quote today. That's thezebra.com slash V-I-A-L-L. Well, again, the short of the grass, tall of the tree. We're talking about Manscaped. And the best thing about Manscaped is men, we, we know, men are disgusting. They're filthy creatures that when you're not looking will use your razors and your clippers to groom their stuff. They all do it. So if for no other reason than you want to stop your husband, boyfriend from using the stuff that you're maybe using on your body, get that's, them manscaped. That's like risky. That's yeah. There's germs. Uh, well, they're doing it. I'm telling you, they're doing it. Ugh. They've all done it. Ugh. Every single one of them. And if they get manscaped, you will give them a tool. They can go truly nuts on their nuts. They got nose and hair trimmers. They got some of the most comfortable underwear on the market. Absolutely amazing. The Lawnmower 4.0, this electric trimmer, is designed to trim hair on loose skin. Need I say more? So everything Manscaped is doing is perfect in the male grooming department. And your guy can look better, be cleaner. So get 20% off free shipping with promo code V-I-A-L-L at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code V-I-A-L-L. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. You always hear how it's this massive money-making industry as a whole, right? Yeah. And so with money, there comes a lot of power and all these things. It's just kind of not talked about, right? Even though it's highly consumed by people, as a result, it sounds like, yeah, a lot of things are slipped under the rug or mm -hmm. um, there seems to be a lot of collateral damage with the people involved because there seems to be not a lot of insight into that world or how it operates because it's almost like people just want to look the other, mm -hmm. other way. It makes them uncomfortable. Yeah. Do you, what, I mean, I don't know, like OnlyFans has really risen in the past few years. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? It, it's, I'm, I don't know. I'm ignorant about like, I know, I know it exists. I know people are on it. I know some people, there's influencers on it who are just, it's a private thing for exclusive content and there's right. uh, adult content on there. Mm -hmm. uh, but from the cult, adult content standpoint, are you an advocate for it? Because it, to me, it sounds like it would be like a safer place because I, I got the impression like people in power would take a large percentage 
of the earnings that the sex workers were making. Yeah. And OnlyFans allows them to make a much higher percentage of, of the, the content to control almost their content a little bit more. Are, are you familiar with what happened with OnlyFans and their adult content? I remember recently they, they banned it for a period of time and then backtracked. Yeah. So the, the ban, that push came from banks. And that's banks are often Bank, really. uh, fighting sex workers. Um, and they, it, it comes also from conflating sex trafficking with sex work and not understanding the difference between consent. Um, so yeah, uh, there, were, there were credit cards who were trying to push off the, the adult content of OnlyFans and there was huge backlash and the stocks plummeted and people started to, to lose money. The, the people who, when you say it, people make a lot of money, it's, it's not the workers yeah, usually. Right, yeah. yeah. Um, and so they backtracked and have maintained so their it platform. So it was because of the banks. Mm-hmm. Did not know that. I thought it was more like a PR thing of OnlyFans or something. That's that's what they that's, argued, but that's what they argued. Yeah, but it changed. So what what changed it back to them allowing it? It was the backlash. The backlash and from, the the decline in the stocks. Uh, and did the backlash come from more the OnlyFans audience, the sex workers themselves? The sex workers themselves. themselves? Yeah. Okay. Oh, they were pissed. Um, I don't. I don't personally have an OnlyFans, but a lot of them just were like, "All right, I'm going to pull out of this platform now." and find a sex worker run platform if OnlyFans is kind of going to jerk us around like this and not advocate for us when it, it's time to. How long ago did you, did, did you, I don't know, did, did you stop stripping? Mm-hmm. Okay. And how long ago was that? And what I'm curious about is, it, I would assume that decision to stop, what is that like? And is it hard to get out of mm-hmm. if you want to get out of? And what are some of the pressures that people... And, and sex work are are facing the fears, the dangers, all those things when they decide they want to do something else, and and you know, maybe they did it to pay for college or or pay for whatever it is, yeah. um, and then they get an opportunity, they don't want to do the sex work anymore, and and try something else. What is, what is that stage like? So I I did it while I was in college, and then when I came, when I started grad school, I thought about stripping again. Um, but I was planning on applying to medical school. And so I was really scared that, that I would see doctors that I was going to try to interview with to go to their school at, at strip clubs. So I didn't pursue that. It is hard to step away from. You, make, I, you can make a lot of money mm-hmm. and that can be a big pull to, to coming back and facing the, the dangers and the stigma. Um, but I wanted to pursue medicine, and so I stepped away. I mean, what was that like when you stopped? Did were there friends in the community who tried to bring you back in, or was that could you just stop and go? Did you feel like it kind of followed you along the whole way, or was it my my decision to stop was was very abrupt, and it was just like ripping off a band aid. So if I if I tried to go back to if I had told management that I was planning on stopping because I was really starting to gain a good client base and, and uh, get well known in that area, um, they, they would have argued with it and, and probably cut some deals and tried to push cash in my direction. But so I just ripped off the band-aid and I, I no-showed. And so there, if I go back, then there's probably like a 30000 dollar fine or something waiting for me if I want to go back to that club. So that's that's just one of the consequences of working with management at Interesting. a club. And how do you think that industry could become more safe for the for the for the workers actually involved? I think you have to give power to to the workers and and have destigmatize sex work um, and decriminalize it and have just validate that this is work. And so these workers deserve a living wage. They deserve healthcare um, and protection from, from violent or aggressive customers. And, and that you don't have to do it all in the shadows. That, that's really the problem is that it's all in the shadows. It's all in the shadows. Yeah. Our audience 
both sides of the aisle, conservative, liberal. And, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll get asked, you know, a common question I get asked is like, do you think porn is cheating? Do you think going to, my, my boyfriend went to a strip club or my husband, et cetera, et cetera, is that cheating? Have you ever had to deal with a spouse or a girlfriend or whatever? What do you say to those people who feel wronged by sex workers or things like that? Or, or do you have a thought on that? Or is that something that you've had to oh. deal with? I'm, I'm assuming on some level, what is that like? Because I can only imagine a, a listener being, you know, but what, what about that time where my boyfriend did this? And if he didn't go to a strip club, we'd still be, I don't whatever the fuck. Um, well, I think, I think that goes into how society likes to blame women for their problems. Mm. Like, I'm not responsible for who shows up at the club. I'm not responsible for how a man decides to spend his money and I'm working. So, you know, I'm doing my job. You're um, just showing up, doing your thing, whoever shows up through the door. Or, right. Yeah. So if, if there is a spouse at home who that's not part of their relationship and their agreement that he can go to strip clubs, like that's not my business. Yeah. I, that's their relationship. So blame him. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense. How many times when you were stripping did you recognize people in your community? Well, I was in college. So one time I I saw frat boys from my college there and I had to I had to beg the DJ to not call my name to stage and to let me hide in the uh, dressing room so that I wouldn't come face to face with people that I knew. Oh, that's, that sounds <laughs> I feel bad. And I'm assuming that your fear of bullying or harassment or... Oh, I was afraid of being kicked out of school. Yeah. When I launched this campaign, some of the first people who reached out were my former professors and they were like, why didn't you tell us? We would have made sure that you were okay. And I was just scared. What did you feel like when they said that to you? Uh, like you, you, The people who said, I wish I would have known. Did you feel like, oh, I wish I could have told you? Like, I oh, guess it, I'm, I'm it thinking... It moved me to tears. Yeah, I'm thinking like, <laughs> God, it's, it's, it's nice that you heard that, but, but boy if we could break down these stigma, because to your point, like, listen, people are watching porn. Mm -hmm. They're going to strip clubs. I mean, you know, every bachelor party, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. And it's one of the largest industries out there. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you believe in or who you vote for or how devout you, you are. People are watching porn and they're just not talking about it or lying and hiding it. And all these things are happening. And yet, we seem to be taking it out most on the people involved as right. if, as if, if they didn't create the content, the con then, then it wouldn't be consumed. Mm -hmm. It will, people will always find a way. And just like anything else, if people are going to consume it, you'd rather do it in a safer place in a safer arena, mm -hmm. uh, rather than put it underground where bad things can happen and people can be in danger. And, and, uh, yeah, and then you could have told someone and, and had a support system, but out of fear, you didn't. And right. It's sad. Yeah, I'm okay. <laughs> no, I mean, it's just like, I, I know you're okay, but yeah. for all the other people, maybe, yeah. who aren't feeling that or who are currently in a position that you were in. Mm -hmm. uh, and that, that's why it's, it was important that I be vocal about my past. Yeah. Have you become passionate about fighting for the rights of sex workers to continue to... Uh, have them get the production they deserve mm -hmm. um, all while people consume it? Yes, absolutely. Um, one of my biggest passions is fighting for criminal justice reform and sex workers are currently often considered criminals. So that, that is something that regardless of what happens with this race, I'll, I'll be involved with. From Wondery, even the rich pulls back the curtains on the lives of the rich and famous and takes a peek the wild world of celebrity. In an all-new season, they look at the strange and terrifying case of the kidnapping of Patty Hearst. One night, 19-year-old college student Patty Hearst, happened to be the heir of the Hearst newspaper fortune, was abducted from her apartment. She was kept in a closet for weeks while her captors demanded millions from the Hearst family. In a shocking twist, Patty stunned the world when she walked into the San Francisco bank with a machine gun and robbed it with her captors. She was no longer Patty. Her nominee was Tanya. She would be a fugitive for a year before being arrested. When this cult-like band of criminals kidnapped Patty, she was uh, had to, be, to survive in any way she could, doing things she never thought would she would. 
She was brain was she brainwashed? Was she a victim of Stockholm syndrome? Well, you can find out on this episode of Even the Rich. Very fascinating stuff. Layers, layers, people. We like layers. So follow Even the Rich on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, or you can listen ad-free by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app. What can people at home do if they want to support and if they want to if if you've touched the nerve of someone listening, how can how can people who who are consuming porn of any kind or <laughs> sex work and they look in the mirror and say, Fuck, hey, hey, if I'm gonna I'm gonna if I'm gonna do it, I can't be a hypocrite and judge the person performing. Wait. How can I support the rights of the people who are giving me the content that I <laughs> I'm enjoying or watching? And uh, or fellow women who maybe maybe they don't watch porn, but or or they watch it with their partners. You know, a lot of a lot of couples do that. How can they participate and uh, advocate for the rights of the people who uh, whose rights have who've not been met? Um, I mean, there's groups all over the country that they can give money to, that they can get involved with. Um, I think it it ties into. Uh, for, for women, their economic independence and upward mobility. So making sure that we close the wage gap um, and supporting activists and, and future politicians who are, who are running on such platforms. Do you think it's hard? I mean, how many politicians like yourself... Um, you can stop right there. None. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be my guess, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's got to be the challenge, right? Because even I think the most progressive of politicians are, would still be afraid to touch that topic. Yes. So there, that's something that I have been really proud of with candidates who are running this cycle is that because um, I'm running on such a sex worker positive platform that they've been talking more about sex work and including it more in their platform but they just don't face the the same stigma that I get for having participated in it. Yeah. I I feel like this is one of those things where uh, hopefully it doesn't take that much time, but it's one of those things where do you feel is almost like a trailblazer? You're a trailblazer in this. Yeah. When is the election? When are you? That's a great question. Um, so today there's supposed to be a deadline in the state of Pennsylvania deciding when, what the redistricting is going to look like, but they're still fighting over it. So it's likely that my primary is going to be pushed back. But right now it's May 17th. Did you guys have any questions? Yeah, I think it's really interesting the way you're using TikTok because I think something yeah. that's like so present, I think right now in politics among all people is just there's this sense of people who do participate in politics and it's very partisan and divisive. And then there's people who I think disengage. A lot of it has to do with this sense of like both sides are wrong. And with TikTok, it feels like you're really extending an arm to people who might be more disengaged from politics. And I'm curious right. like, how you've crafted that strategy in doing that. So we, <laughs> I get I get asked by so many different groups who are trying to figure out TikTok and how to use it for activism and I don't have a good answer. Um, we're we're trying to figure it out too. And it, we we are trying to to draw in young people and draw in people who aren't typically our super voters who who come out every time, but get them involved because we need them involved. And we're we're really at a tipping point in this country of going one direction or another. And so we just need more voices and, and more people getting involved in, in voting and understanding the importance of it. We sent out this questionnaire to some of our guests, which you you answered. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really loved some of your answers. Do you remember what you wrote when we asked what's one area where women could be more empathetic towards men? There's a lot of toxic masculinity out in the world, but I believe it comes from a lack of framework and examples within our society of how to be healthfully masculine. So I tend to blame the environment before I tear into any individual. I try to praise men who are feminists in my life so they can encourage other men to be more like them and follow their lead. So thank you, Nick, for having majority women on your show. <laughs> right? You're my a feminist, pleasure. right? Oh, I, yeah, yeah, 100%. Yeah, I, I think feminism is more of like a mindset because because men can be feminists. Sure. And um, 
I, I mean, I understand that you believe that men and women are equal, but it's more of a, how do we get to that equality and, and how do we move forward together? And it's, it's like a, a rise by lifting others sort of mentality. Mm-hmm. And so when you have a platform, which you do, and you, you're having a majority of women on, you, you are, you, you're growing your platform, sure. but you're also lifting others with you. And that's feminism. Great. I didn't think of it that way, but I like that. I like that uh, definition. I also, cause I feel like sometimes I always get like, and it, well, the three of us will debate this, but whether it's politics or just society, dating and relationships, it mm-hmm. feels more divisive too. Technology seems to be radicalizing, rad, radicalizing people. And so whatever the topic is, it seems to be harder and harder to connect with, with people. And it, it feels like it makes your job harder. Yeah. I mean, if you want to get into big tech and all the problems that they cause, that I'm happy to talk about that. I have a, a digital- I'm worried about it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A digital platform. You should be yeah. worried about it because what they do is they push forward harmful rhetorics that, and they do it for clicks and views and, and you're going to be more engaged with something that pisses you off because you're, you know, Negative is, you're going to yeah. get in that fight in the com- comments section or whatever. Um, and uh, that draws people in. So it makes them money. And there's no kind of like ethical constraint or responsibility that they take for not pushing harm and harmful rhetorics on, on certain groups that already face a lot of that violence. Great. You want you down for some mediation? I'm very interested to see how this goes. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun. How's it going, guys? We're good. Doing well. All right. What are how you doing? How are you? I'm great. We're great. Uh, what are your names? I'm Rachel. I'm Corey. Hi, Corey. How old are you guys? 20, 26. 29. 26, 29. Uh, you guys dating, married, living together. What's your relationship status? We are living together. We've been together for about three and a half years consistently. We've been dating for three and a half years. Okay. Uh, who wants to start off? Tell the story. What's going on? Basically, my the whole reason why I wanted to talk to you was because I thought you might have some good insight on um, whether my four-year rule for our relationship is like reasonable or if that's kind of like too much of an ultimatum. So basically, we dated when we were younger. For When I first started college, um, and we were on and off for several years. So we've been best friends for about seven or eight years. Um, so when well, I say what's we've the four-year rule, starting. Yeah. So now that we're dating consistently now, and everything's been like just great. We're living together. We have a cat together. Um, my four-year rule is if I don't have a ring and be proposed to by um, our four-year mark, then I feel like, you know, if you don't, if you don't know by now, if, yeah, then I'll, then I then, can then move what? on. You move on. Then I'll, yeah. Okay. And where, when did you make up the four-year rule? When and where? Early on, right? Wasn't it right when we started dating? I don't know. I, I remember it more so when we were talking about moving in together. I wouldn't say. Okay. You're like, hey, we're going on year three. Hey. I think maybe that's when I've like reminded you a little bit more. Yeah. I remember it as is like I I put that rule pretty early on just because we did date like beforehand and like we know everything there is to know about each other. And so um Yeah, we dated we dated when we were younger, first starting out college. Um, we broke up for a few years and I mean, we kept in contact and stuff like that, but then we started dating again three years ago. Okay. Yeah. And, and we're coming up on year four, uh, year four, yeah. of your four year. Yeah. In October. And yeah. how, how much, how much are you guys fighting about this? Is this becoming more and more contentious or are you feeling the pressure? Uh, are you applying pressure? And and like in all seriousness, are you going to break up with him if he doesn't propose to you? Yeah. So okay. So our four years <laughs> is October, but our re- our lease doesn't renew until like the April month. 
So we're going to renew our lease this April mm-hmm. for another year and come like next April in 2023. It's more of like, all right, are we going to renew a lease or get another place together? And to me, that's kind of like a good conversation starting point of like, we, we shouldn't renew a lease together. <laughs> Corey, what, what are your thoughts? What are you, are you right? Re- are you in a place where you want to propose or, or what are your thoughts on, on marriage? An engagement. Um. So I think her. I think her ultimatum is actually reasonable. Um. I don't. I don't think it's right for people to make people wait forever. Um. I just. I don't know. I've been through a lot of things in the past few years that I've just. Uh, it's the cliche. I've seen everybody that I know be divorced. You know what I'm saying? And I've sure. seen a lot of people that I I grew up that were aunts, uncles, um, just adults that were around. Now they're in their late forties, early fifties, their kids are out of high school and now they're starting the dating world again. And I want to say, I know the percentage is like 52% of marriages end in divorce, but like, at least in my life, I see like at least 75 to 80. And I don't know, that just freaks me out. So I have that in my mind and I just don't, I don't feel like I'm not established or successful enough right now to start a family. Um, Cause I don't want to bring kids into a world that have to struggle for things. We both kind of grew up poor and I don't want my kids to like need for the same things I did. Um, I kind of want them to have like a good head start when they're, when they're born. So. So you have a four year rule rule. Do you have another rule for children after marriage? No. Um, for me, like I, I used to be, a person that like never wanted kids, never wanted marriage. It was always like, just not for me. And, um, long story short, I ended up living with like my pastor and his wife and their family. And I've, I saw a dynamic that became obtainable to me. So in that time I grew this strong desire for a family, for a marriage, just to start off with really to have my, my person really. And, um, I knew that was something that, you know, is for me and that like I can do. And so that's been a strong desire. So I don't necessarily have a rule as in like children. And I think that's, I don't even think that would be like an issue if like how many years until we have children after we're married, because like we both kind of want to be parents like soonish. It's just a matter of like, are we going to be parents in or outside of a marriage or at all? Sounds like. Corey is more focused on, hey, things can change. He's being more pragmatic about this situation. You're being a little bit more uh, optimistic about Mm -hmm. the situation. I don't think either is wrong or right, but I think it just kind of speaks to like conversations you guys might want to have about um, conversations you'll need to, to keep having. Right. Just because like the fact that you went from not wanting to seeing yourself to have kids to now seeing that is this kind of recognition that things can change. Right. And relationships often don't work out because we assume things will never change and they change. And then we don't want to face the reality of that, of that change. And just like recognizing that I think sometimes can go a long way uh, with a couple because like, I mean, you do like your four year rule rule is kind of silly. I think so. I mean, are you, is that okay for me to say to you? Do you recognize it's a little silly? Yeah, that's your, that's your opinion. That's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To, to, (laughs) to, to go back to um, Corey talking about wanting to be in a place of economic stability so that he can provide for his family. Um, Do you see how you have a timeline of four years and that is your marker. But for Corey's, his marker is some sort of economic marker that he wants to achieve before he proposes and, and starts a family. And do you think that you could find a way to, to, to the both of you get to that economic marker so that he can feel comfortable having that stability for, for the two of you? Because it's, I, I mean, you're both saying you have a good relationship and you're happy, um, right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So it sounds like you want to be together and it's just, you have different ways of measuring, taking that next step. Yours is time. His is uh, economic stability. 
I yeah, guess fear, of the, fear of the unknown a little bit too, right? Yeah. And, oh, yeah. yeah. and also like, to the, and what I mean by silly too is it seems like you guys really care about each other. Like, yeah. seems like you guys want to make this work. That that seems to be something you guys agree on. That's that's great. I'd hate for you to break up with him because he's feeling angst about the future, whether it's his economic situation or there's just like a fear of like what happens when things change. How are we going to still feel about each other? Mm-hmm. And you're just like, nah, four years. Yeah. You know, and do you want him to propose to you if he felt angst about the future just because he no. was afraid to lose you? Yeah, absolutely not. Um, I guess my my like logic or reasoning is more so like how do you how do we measure like when you feel ready, like how do you measure that economic status or whatever it is or and like how how long is too long? Like I, I, I grew up in a household where my mom didn't, her boyfriend didn't propose to her for eight years. And I saw like what that did to her and how upsetting that was like emotionally for her. And, um, I, I kind of just like have a fear that I'm just always going to be the one waiting. Um, sure. That makes sense. But also make, you know, also you can understand why. You're, you're a little more sensitive to that topic than someone else because you saw right. your mom, you know, suffer right. a little bit for it or affected her mental health and it, she was sad about that. But you yeah. just want to be careful not to bring that into your current relationship. Well, I understand that you've been dating for a period of time, but... And you were best friends first. So it, it, it sounds like you have a really so- solid foundation. Oh, I, was, I, I think I come from the opposite side because like she said, her mom had to wait but my mom was like a teen pregnancy and then she felt like she had to get married. And then that marriage ended in complete disaster. Um, same thing happened to my sister, my dad, uh, my stepfather had an early marriage too, where he got married very early and then they were divorced like a year later. So like, I see a lot of people who get married very early and then I see things fizzle out or end tragically, like to where the point where, you're fighting over kids or you're not letting people see um, kids on the weekend and stuff like that. And I don't know, like, I know four years is a long time, but at the same time, like even my family's like, Hey, you got to marry her. And I'm like, guys, take it easy. You're all divorced. Well, it kind of just depends on what you guys did in those four years. And I don't know, you know, like people could just be like, I don't know, maybe you guys just like traveled and never talked about the future. Or maybe you guys, you know, it all depends. Rachel, what is like, what matters more to you? And I don't, I'm curious, is it the ceremony or what marriage means or is it just having the stability of a commitment? I like the stability of a commitment, like that affirmation that like, I'm always going to have him to turn to really. Um, and like, I know I have that now, but um, yeah, I mean, I, it doesn't help when you have outside pressures. I mean, every every time we go to any family member's house or event it's it's always one of the main topic of questions for the two of us and um i think i don't think that helps my like own concerns and worries either have you guys talked about forgetting about like marriage have you guys talked about your beliefs on a future together raising kids handling money uh, roles and responsibilities who would do what when how do you feel about certain things like how much do you guys talk about that type of stuff as it relates to your future um, I would say a fair, I, I mean, a fair, yeah, like there's always like situational conversations that get brought up and we're like, what would you do in this? And what do you think about this or this like style of things? Um, that's, I would say we both have an understanding of how each one of us would function in all these many different roles. Um, so, I mean, I, for myself, I don't know if you disagree, but like I, feel like I have a very good understanding of like how Corey would um, act within different situations, different roles, different environments. Um, and it would you say vice versa? Yeah, I would say so. The thing that worries me right now, I've been working um, seven days a week for about three years now. And as much as, as much as I want to have like a kid, in a family. I know that I'm, she needs a lot of attention, not like 
not trying to make like a <laughs> slur or anything, but like she she likes company. So like she gets frustrated when I'm not around all the time. And I'm, and that worries me. And also like, I want to be a dad that's present. I don't want to be one of those dads that's always gone because I'm at work or something. You know, I want to yeah. be a coach for my kids if they play sports or I want to come home and help them with their homework and stuff. And right now that's just not feasible. And I just don't want to be a dad that's not present because I'm trying to pay the bills. Hmm. It seems really fair. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you heard, hearing him say that, Rachel, what's that make you think and feel? In agreement, really. It's it's always a constant of like, I understand where you're coming from. And and it's tricky because we like, this isn't really like a fighting manner, like of a topic. It's mostly just like, he understands where I'm coming from. I understand where he's coming from. But like, where is that like middle connect? And like, when is that? I mean, you're legitimately considering not re-upping your lease without a proposal. Sounds considering. Kind of, it sounds yeah. kind of serious. For, it, it sounds serious <laughs> because everything else seems like quite lovely between you two. Like, seem like yeah. a. I mean, we're, we just started talking to you. Uh, Corey, do you want to get married someday? Yeah, um, I do. It. Uh, I. I'm kind of a little different now because when I was younger, I was like, I want to be married by 25. I sure. can't wait to have kids and stuff like that. And I do want to be married. I just, I'm very cautious and hesitant about it just because I've just seen so many people get divorced. I saw it growing up and I've seen it even more frequently in recent years. So I think as much as I should put myself in other people's shoes when their situations come to like relationships, mm-hmm. it still scares me because I know that you know, people change. I'm a totally different person than I was five years ago. And I don't think anybody who's divorced saw it coming. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't think anybody was like, dang, I I can't believe she ended up being a totally different person after 10 years. And I think that's only natural. So that's something that stays in my mind for sure. What's wrong with divorce? I, I feel, I feel like it's a failure. Um, I don't want to say people who are divorced have failed or anything, but I feel like you, when you get married and you start a family, if you have to end up breaking that family up, I feel like in some way that's a failure. Um, just from personal experience, like I said, I don't want to call anybody a failure or anything like that, but I don't want to. It's something I, you want to do once. Yeah, I definitely don't want to be like a part time father or anything, only get to see my kids half time. All right. Do you think breakups are a failure? Do you um, see them that way? Yeah, I tend to look at them that way. Instead of just uh, people growing in, in different means and in different ways and they grow apart. Yeah, I mean, I see that like rationally too, but then there's been other breakups where I'm like, dang, I could have done this. I could have been, I could have been more sensitive towards that or something that could have helped. You can say that in your relationship well. though. Yeah. Right, I mean, you can always, we can always do better. Yeah. But yeah. I think the thing with dating and relationships, most people view like a failure because it's a loss of, a, of their time, their investment. They see it as a waste of time. I, but they learned. I they uh, learned. Oh, I, I, I agree with you. On It yeah. shouldn't be thought as a failure, but I think we personally feel that way in the, in the moment. Have you guys considered like couples therapy to talk about this topic? She does. <laughs> and, and why not you? I, I just haven't, I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Now, I'm curious, when you say, Rachel, when you, you've brought it up, and I think that's great, are you doing it because, and I, I don't, try to be honest, are you doing it because you're hoping that therapists will convince him to get engaged because you think, no. or, okay, you're just, you're just trying to get on the same page. Okay, good. No, and, and that's the thing is, like, I, I love him so much that, like, I, that's why I'm, I'm, I don't want this to be looked at as an ultimatum, even though, like, it is when you get down to the definition, but I, I don't ever want to pressure him into a situation, but I also want to make sure like I'm taking care of myself at the same time. But you could, you could, you could get engaged, get married and he could wake up one day and be gone. You can't, you can't prevent something from ending. And the only thing that a marriage will do is certainly make it harder for you guys to break up and it will require lawyers and and it'll yeah. be messier and all those things, but you can't you can't prevent um, 
heartbreak from happening if it's going to happen. I guess it, it's also for me, like, like I was saying earlier, it's, it's just that affirmation that like, you're, you're going, as you said, just said, like, he's not going to be there forever or something could happen. But like, it's an affirmation that like, you're here, you're going to be here for like, my so life. Is there something Corey could do? And let's say he's just like, listen, I'm just not in a position to get done on one knee. I just, yeah. I, I don't, I can't get the ring I want to get you or whatever it is. I just, I'm still not sure. Whatever it is. I just, I'm not there. Is there something Corey could do to still commit to you in terms of like his words of affirmation of like, you're the woman I want to marry. I, you know, if I don't, I don't want to put your words in your mouth, Corey, but uh, I'm assuming you guys have talked about this stuff. Like, is there anything he could say to you about that? This is the path he's on, but he just wants to get into a place that doesn't feel like it. Think about like these ultimatums that you don't want to be ultimatums. Like once they're said, you can't like unsay it, you know? So if he gets engaged to you before this lease is up, I don't see a world where he can't feel like he did it partly because, or even you, that it was part of your ultimatum. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not being born out of a place of love and, and commitment. It's being born out of a sense of urgency and fear of yeah. losing you. And I do feel like that will be something that you will have to deal with in the future because once things settle and there might be a period of bliss and a re like a nightmare of a honeymoon phase because you're engaged and excited and encouraged. It's like, yeah, this is great. But at some point is if things go bad and you have a hard couple months or years, or you have a struggle, mm-hmm. maybe Corey loses his job for a period of time. Something happens. I don't know. There's a recession and he feels this pressure or angst. That energy might be directed towards you toward, as mm-hmm. call, call it resentment for feeling like, it's not something he really wanted to do or et cetera, et cetera. I, I would just be, be careful about that. And I would, yeah, I know. And that's a good point. I definitely wouldn't want that. But I, I, you know, I think that we're both um, saying that, that Corey has some concerns that need to be heard, but you're also expressing needs that you need more affirmation and maybe it's not words, but what would make you feel more yeah. secure in your relationship that this is, that he wants, I mean, Corey, you want this for the long term right now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. What, so what, what, what do you need besides a proposal? No, yeah. I guess just that understanding that affirmation is like whenever, for the longest time, whenever marriage did get brought up, it was like he didn't know if it was with me. So for the longest time, I'm like, forget that you just like want to be married, but like, could you see that with me? Like this was at like a two-year mark. And I was, that was like the scary thing for a while was just like, you're saying that you possibly want this one day, but you're not even sure if it's like with me. There's he just said that like, to you. Yeah. Okay. And, and, but is his tone different now? Like now he knows, I, has that changed or is it still unclear? Yeah. yeah, no, it's, it's changed. It's clear. Well, there's two different ways to look at that, Rachel. You can be upset that at one point, two years ago, he wasn't sure. Yeah. And even though you wanted him to be, but he is sure, which shows progress. It shows that he can be at a place at one point and it shows that he can grow just like he can one day be ready for an engagement. Yeah. You know, and Corey seems thoughtful. Like he, it sounds like well-intentioned. You both seem to have justifiable reasons why, you know, part of your past or things that you guys experienced are like triggering these feelings. So it doesn't sound like someone who can't get to where you want him to be because he used to be at a place where you didn't want him to be. And then he got to where he wanted to be, which is knowing that it, he does want it to be you. And that's a positive sign. No, that's a good point. And I don't think when you like word it like that, I don't know if I've ever really given him that credit from like not thinking one way and then developing that. So yeah, I mean, that's, completely right like that could be a developed that's kind of the whole point of dating and getting to know each other i mean i say this all the time you listen to my show people like will start dating they'll fall in love and they'll make all these promises and have this honeymoon phase 
And then they will base their entire relationship all the, off, off of the crazy shit they said to one another in their first few months and apply all this pressure to the relationship as opposed to saying, I really like you. I care about you. I'm excited. Let's see where it goes. I'm not there yet. I hope I can get there. And sometimes we don't like to hear, I'm not there yet. And we'll see that as a negative rather than like a thoughtful response to like, you know, we talk so much about like love bombing and things like that, where people are saying things that they don't really mean. And, and you know, you, to me, it seems like the words of, I see this now would feel a lot more sincere than someone who's been like, I've always known, you know? And yeah. I would put a little more trust in, in, in those words that came from Kaori than a guy who every time you asked, do you know it's me? Do you know it's me? And he was just like, yeah, no, totally. Because it, he had the guts to one time tell you it wasn't or he wasn't sure. And that probably was yeah. hard for you to hear. And sometimes tr establishing trust in a, in, a, in a relationship is having the guts to say to your partner things that you know might upset them and they don't want to hear, but you say it because you want to be truthful so that you can right. work through those things. And yeah. that sound seems to like a, a good sign to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And he's, al he's always been truthful and very. Yeah. I'm not much of a love bomber. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm but not I, suggesting I, you are. It's I quite think, the opposite. Yeah. yeah no. I, I think what we're, we're seeing from Rachel is that she needs a little more affirmation from you. Like yeah. she, she can yeah. give you, you from her. You need more patience as you grow into this mm -hmm. expectation that she has uh, kind of, pushed upon you and she needs from you more affirmation that you are doing that growing and at least being vulnerable about that growth and mm -hmm. and that you want that future with her. Is it a very safe to manner. say, Rachel, you'd like to see Corey talk a little bit more about the future or bring this up or get a little yeah. more forward thinking about some of the conversations you have? Yeah. No, and... And I think even taking it a little step further, because we we dated when we I was younger. I mean, he he broke up with me like very abruptly out of nowhere after a year, and it was very like out of left field and unexpected. And I guess like I try not to bring like that fear sure. from when we past dated yeah. into the relationship, but like I mean, that does like is an underlying like feeling too. Here are my final thoughts, and Alexandra can uh, add to anything she, uh, I'm missing. But I feel like there's a lot of good here. You guys are communicating. With the best part from what I'm hearing is there's a lot of reasons from what you guys have shared with us to like validate what you both are feeling, right? Like you've had experiences, Corey, from your past that make you skeptical, resistant of like trusting love in general. You've experienced Rachel, your mom, have heartbreak over like a guy who just kind of strung her along your own specific relationship. You have a little bit of trauma from dating as like young adults. And yeah, you try to recognize that you were young, but like, fuck, you can't forget that one day he just broke up with you and broke your heart. You know, mm -hmm. these are all things I think you guys can work through. Why I think couples therapy could go a long way to helping you like identify these things, both as a couple and even as individuals, like it sounds like Maybe you could work through whatever those feelings you developed through experiencing what you experienced with your mom and you vice versa, Corey. And like, these are all things that like, honestly, before people get married, I think it's really healthy to like, try to like address these like insecurities and trauma and things from our past and things we picked up from our parents, because eventually you're going to deal with it in your relationship somehow, either directly or indirectly. And it would seem a lot smarter to like, be present, talk to someone who can really help guide you through those things, give you some tools to like recognize these things because when they do come up, you want to be able to name it, recognize it, and then call it what it is and deal with it rather than not recognize it and then project some sort of insecurity onto the other person, call it something else, fight, not listen or hear each other. And in the short term, Corey, try to be a little bit more like attentive less goofy and just like give her like try to like give her a little bit more you know what she wants right you know like you know don't say things you don't mean but talk a little bit more about the future and maybe like i don't know maybe you're a little hesitant to like say anything because i, I don't know if you're afraid of it used against you in the court of law so to speak well if i talk about the future she's gonna like 
she's going to hold me to it, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So maybe just recognize that, you know, always make it easier for your partner to try to open up if they have a hard time opening up because sometimes I think we, we, we're afraid to do that because we're afraid of how it's going to be received and them using it against us in the future. But I don't know. I would just recommend couples therapy more than anything because it seems like you have a lot going on there. A lot of things I mean, that can my be- therapist asked if I would ever bring him in and I, and getting him to sit here and talk to you today was like pulling tooth and nails. So well, good for you um, for doing we'll that, Corey. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he definitely stepping out of his comfort zone today. And um I think I just honestly thank you just for an insight of like a different ways for me to think because he came in here with the impression he's like. I'm going to get crucified. Like it's just, everything's going to be against me. And um, I think that was the exact opposite. So if anything, it helped both of us really calm down both of, both of our anxieties. Well, we're, we're glad, glad to hear, but yeah, just try to, the, the, the ultimatum, not a huge fad. I don't, I don't know if that's going to do a lot of good, but you are valid to like want security. If you're willing to invest more of your energy in this relationship, that's valid. So you just have to figure out productive ways of doing that. Um, and then hopefully you guys will have a happy ending. Yeah, thank you. All right. Well, best of luck. I appreciate it, guys. Thank, thank you. you. All right, take care. Yep, you too. You, you're I, far more cynical than I realized. Yeah. But like, you're a chronic dater, aren't you? <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what the internet says. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I'm definitely a cynic. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I, I just, I'm, I'm a, a, help, a healthy cynic. I just, I'm a pragmatic person. What's the quotes game or whatever? Okay. <laughs> so this was inspired by, uh, on January 22nd, the U.S. Army Twitter uh, tweeted a Lana Del Rey quote. That was very, it was appropriate, you know, kind of on brand for the army. It was being brave means knowing that when you fail, you don't fail forever. And a lot of people thought this was very funny on the internet because of, you know, people don't usually associate the U.S. military with Lana Del Rey. <laughs> so this is just a little game where I have a list of quotes. These are from either a current, like modern day celebrity or a politician, trailblazer, thought leader throughout history. And so I'm going to give you the quote and I'm going to give you a, it's either or, and you guys are going to guess who said it? Oh, boy. Okay. 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 I won't know any of this. Okay. So first one, knock me down nine times, but I get up 10. And was that Muhammad Ali or Cardi B? Muhammad Ali. Oh. <laughs> nine <laughs> times 10. Yeah. Say it again. What's the quote? Knock me down nine times, but I get up 10. I want to say Muhammad Ali, but... Cardi B. Yeah. <laughs> it, is Muhammad Ali like knock me down seven times? I stand up eight. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So the next one, calm mind brings inner strength and self-confidence. So that's very important for good health. Was this a quote by the Dalai Lama or Gwyneth Paltrow? Gwyneth Paltrow, just because Cardi B was the last one. No guess, Nick? I want to say Gwyneth Paltrow, but I'm going to say just, I'm going to say the Dalai Lama just for... It was, in fact, the Dalai Lama. Okay. <laughs> Shoot. Okay. Are we playing against each other? I, it's collaborative, sure. maybe. <laughs> There's no awards won. Pride. Okay. <laughs> Next one. Knowing how to be solitary is central to the art of loving. When we can be alone, we can be with others without using them as a means of escape. Was this Bell Hooks or Iggy Azalea? I'm going to go with Bell Hooks. Who was my other choice? Iggy Azalea. There's no way you're going to say that I would say that. Okay, yeah, it was Bell Hooks. <laughs> nice job, Ryan. I think you won. I, I got lucky. Yeah. I think we all won. We all won. <laughs> Alexandra, thanks so much for coming. Thank you for it's having me. It's been a pleasure. Uh, where can people support your campaign, find you, follow you, uh, get more involved with all the things that you're doing? Please let them know. Um, our website is huntforcongress.com. Spell everything out. Uh, our... Instagram is Alexandra Hunt for Congress. Same for TikTok, same for Facebook. And our Twitter is A Hunt, the number four Congress. And we are looking for volunteers and supporters, small dollar donations. So also we'll uh, we'll put all that information on our episode description. And so if you want to, if you're in the car listening and you don't have a pen and paper, you can go ahead and click at uh, on on uh, well our episode description. It'll be all there. 
Uh, if you want to support anything Alexander's doing, uh, thank you for coming. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for sharing your story and your insight, especially on uh, sex workers and the and the, the rights that they haven't had. And and uh, I think we can all agree that there's a, a lot of room for growth in that area. And yeah. um, appreciate you sharing that story. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening, guys. Don't forget to send in your questions at asknickcastme.com. Cast with a K for your Ask Nick episodes and your mediation. Uh, Want to thank all the guys who are agreeing to go on because it's always the same story. It's, they don't uh, want to come on. They, the, the, it seems to be the women in the relationship are uh, asking them to come. But so far, it's we're, we're right down the middle. You know, the, the guys always think they're going to get as, as Corey said, crucified, but this never seemed, it's not our intent. No. It's not our intent. Um, so thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for sending those questions. Uh, we'll see you next time. And next week, Rachel Lindsay, my friend, will be back in studio talking about her book, her life, all the things that are going on. It'll be great. Rachel's always great. We'll see you then. Bye.